The views and opinions expressed by individuals on the following program do not necessarily reflect those of the network, Guys Guy Radio, and its platforms. It's Guys Guy Radio. Here's your host, Robert Manny. Welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show where men and women can be at their best and everyone wins Guys Guys Radio. We're here to inform you, inspire you, empower you, and get you to think and feel, and who knows, maybe even act by virtue of the journey, stories, experiences, and insights of the guests I bring you each and every week to the show. And we've got a terrific show for you today. We've got two business experts, and if, you have a, if you're building your own personal brand, I would strongly suggest you give our show a listen, because we've got two real experts. First, we've got Linda Hollander. She is the CEO of Sponsor Concierge, which helps business owners profit from the power of corporate sponsorship. So she's going to teach us how to go after landing a corporate sponsor. And uh, it's a two-way street, and it's, there is a process to it, and you have to, you have to do it the right way. It's like anything else. You want to come across as professional when you're asking for money. So she's going to help us with that. We've also got Nathan Perez. He's a career coach, executive recruiter, and he's also written this book, The 20-Minute Networking Meeting, and how to make the most of that. And so many times we have meetings with folks and we have an allocation of time, a small window of people's times, and we stumble out of the gate and we really don't make the most of it. Well, Nathan's going to teach us how to make the best of that time and, again, show us how it has to be a two-way street. So I think you're really going to pick up a lot of tips if you have your own personal brand you're building and the networking is an important part of it, and you could benefit from a corporate sponsorship, you're at the right place right now, guys, guys, radio. What else is happening out there? Well, you know, I've been talking about kind of the 10 or 12 tips that I've, uh, and practices and protocols I've picked up and have either improved on or added to my game, if you will, my daily routine during the lockdown. I always believe that chaos creates opportunities. And in this case, uh, I've been blogging about this I'm writing up, finishing up a blog on it. And I realized from writing it down, like, wow, I've really learned a lot during this lockdown about some healthy protocols to add to my daily routine. And it's been, really been great. So the one I'm going to mention briefly today is uh, alcohol. So I stopped drinking about six months ago. And I know it's not easy for everybody. And I didn't have a drinking issue or anything. I had a, 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 a appendectomy, emergency appendectomy, and I was really in a lot of pain. And uh, as I was laying there before I went to the hospital, I felt a voice in my head. I actually felt my, myself leaving my body and I pulled it back in. And it's true, I really felt that. And the voice came in my head, not like a physical voice, but a knowing. And it said, don't drink alcohol. So for me, I listened and I stopped and that was it. Now I love a good margarita. I love tequila. I love some vanilla vodka. I love beautiful glass of red wine. But I stopped. And you know what? I got over it. And I feel fine. It's six months. In fact, I feel really good. And it's cut down in my sugar intake, of course. I started replacing it with some ice cream and some chocolate here and there. So I'm working on ratcheting that down and making the ice cream go away. But when you eliminate alcohol, you, you're giving your liver a break. You're uh, eliminating a lot of sugar and empty calorie intake. 
And for me, my mind's a lot clearer, not that it was foggy or anything before, but I feel a lot sharper. And along with the other healthy protocols I've added in, I'm feeling real good. So I'm not saying it's for everybody. I'm not telling everybody, hey, stop drinking. If you enjoy it and you do it in moderation, that's up to you. For me, it's working and I don't miss it. And uh, I actually picked up a six pack of uh, non-alcoholic beer. I had one and I was like, okay, this is fine. It's not exactly the same, but I'm not that big a beer drinker anyhow. How am I going to replace tequila? I don't know. How am I going to replace red wine? I don't know. But so far it hasn't been an issue and I'm just going to keep going and I don't have a time limit on it. This is it. I've stopped drinking. So you can hold me to that folks. So anyhow, guys, guys radio, we've got a great show for you today. Again, I mentioned the two guests we have who are going to talk about how to help build your personal brand and your businesses, one through corporate sponsorship, one through networking. I think you're really going to enjoy it. So let's get started right now. It's Guys Guy Radio. Okay, Guys Guys Radio, the interview portion of our show. I've got a very special guest whose work is near and dear to me because I'm a podcaster and I'm a radio announcer and I'm a YouTube guy and I'm always looking for sponsorships. And I've got the expert, the world expert, Linda Hollander is with us today. She's been featured in Inc. Magazine. She's a leading expert on corporate sponsorship. She teaches entrepreneurs how to tap into the awesome power of corporate sponsorship. So listen up, everybody. Linda really can help out. She's the author of the number one bestseller, Corporate Sponsorship in Three Easy Steps. She's CEO of Sponsorship Concierge, and her sponsors are a, an all-star team of brands, Microsoft, Epson, Wells Fargo, Dun & Bradstreet, FedEx, American Airlines, Walmart, Marriott, IBM, and the list goes on and on. And she has been quoted as from Isle Lapkin, who is the CEO and founder, I believe, of IHOP. He said, if your goal is to be a success, Linda Hollander has paved the way for you. So welcome to Guys Guys Radio, Linda Hollander. Hey, great to be here. Oh, thank you so much. So why don't we just start right at the beginning because you have so much information to share with our listeners and there's so many podcasters and wannabe podcasters out there now and also just people who have their own businesses and there's so much going on and so much remote, remote work, et cetera. How did you get started in the sponsorship area? Well, I got started because I wanted to do an event. Uh, and it was a live event. It was about, uh, I've been in this business for over 20 years. And uh, anybody who's ever done a live event knows that it is not cheap. You look at your costs and you say, oh my God, especially if you want to do a first class event. And that's what I wanted to do. Basically, I started a business and all the good things in my life happened when I started that business. I was able to move out of my little rent controlled apartment. I was able to buy my first home as a single woman. I was able to quit a job where I had an abrasive relationship with my boss and it was a very toxic work situation. I was able to pay down this, down this debt that was absolutely choking me. And really I was working at a job but not making enough money. So I borrowed on credit cards. And as you know, that puts you in a really, really bad situation. <laughs> um, and you know, uh, it, it was so great. I was able to travel the world when I started my business. Uh, and uh, I was able, most importantly, to get out of an abusive relationship uh, that I was in with, with a man. Uh, so I wanted to show other women how to do it. So I wanted to start a women's small business expo. 
I started looking at how much it would take to produce it. And I said, well, I don't have the money. Who has the money? And that's when I found out about corporate sponsors. Now, here's what corporate sponsors will fund. Corporate sponsors will fund your business. They'll fund your podcast. They'll fund uh, uh, your show, your book, if you want to write a book, your speaking, you want to do virtual events, live events, if you have a nonprofit, or any project that you have, like a documentary film, can be funded with corporate sponsors. So I started contacting them for my event. Now, I think it's important for everybody to know that I'd never done an event in my life. I had no fan base. I had no following except for my brother-in-law and my cat. And uh, <laughs> uh, I got my first sponsors were Bank of America, Walmart, and IBM. After that, I got Microsoft, Staples, FedEx. I got Marriott Hotels, American Airlines. Uh, and really, it sent me on some uh, a trajectory. So people said, well, how the heck are you doing this? Uh, and that's when I said, well, I've got to teach people how to get corporate sponsors, because really people don't know that you could do it if you're just starting out. You could do it on concept. Uh, and so that's what I do now is coaching, consulting, and events to show people how to tap in to the awesome power of corporate sponsors. Did you have all those sponsors at the same time? I mean, building one on top of the other, or did you have them individually? Because you know, you, sometimes you have a featured sponsor or a sole sponsor, and you have like a, a who's who of uh, brand names there. Yeah, they weren't all at the same time, except for that first event, I did have Bank of America, Walmart, and IBM. And that's what we tell people, get as many sponsors as possible, because it puts you in a much better financial position to have more sponsors. And there's no limit to the number of sponsors you can have. You you talk about events a lot, and I've taken your... uh workshop. And uh, it's fantastic, by the way, everybody check it out. We'll get into the details on that later. But a lot of folks don't have events. Uh, Are events, um, you know, what's the difference between the type of businesses where an event makes sense and some of the businesses where you don't need events, but you could still use a sponsor? You don't need to do events. If we look at the major social media platforms like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, the new players like TikTok, They live online and their whole business model is corporate sponsorship. So you could do something that lives online like a podcast or a show, or you could be a social influencer. Right now, you could do virtual speaking. You could do virtual book tours. Uh, You do not need to do an event to get sponsored. And the corporate sponsors, will they be interested in sponsoring folks who are doing things on social media? Or obviously, remote is a big thing now. So kind of a two-part question. Will corporate sponsors be willing to sponsor you through social media? And two, what's happening with the whole move to remote? Because it's not going away. It's going to get bigger and bigger. It's part of our lives now. Let's talk about social media. Social media is so important in the world of sponsorship now. That is good news because Social media, as you know, is very inexpensive. It's no cost or low cost to you. If you hire a team, it's not that expensive. So social media is very important in the promotion. And it's also important in measuring your demographic. So with social media, you know the gender, you know the income range, you know the age range of the people who are listening to you. So that's really, really important. Let's talk about virtual because Virtual, you're right, is here to stay. Uh, We are never going back to a pre-COVID world. Uh, You really need to master virtual and digital marketing 
to be successful today in the world of sponsorships. How can people best identify the type of sponsors that fit their brand? Demographics are destiny. It's all about your audience. So when I was first getting started, remember, I had no following, but I researched the women's business market. I found out that women business owners are a $4.8 trillion market. That's what women spend in America on their businesses. Women are starting businesses at twice the rate of men. And women make or influence over 85% of the purchasing decisions in America. I found this information in under 30 minutes by just going to Google. And that's what you can do. Even if you're just getting started, research the potential market that you have. Uh, and that's what you present to your sponsors. Now, think of the daily lifestyle of this person. Let's take the woman business owner. Okay. Uh, she brushes her teeth. She washes her hair. She gets into a car. She has a banking relationship. She has a personal life where she shops for food and beverage and consumer goods. So all of those categories are good. So that's how you're going to identify your potential sponsors. What's the uh, mistake that people make when they're, when they're starting out? Because, uh, you know, having uh, written two books and I got one published and the other one I didn't, I, I made the mistake in the first one. I learned how to write the book, but I started sending it out too early. So when I got into this uh, sponsorship area, I took your course and I've waited. I said, I need two more years to really build my brand. What are some of the mistakes that people make? Do they send out incorrect information? Do they go out there too early? Give us some examples, Linda. I don't think there's such a thing as going out there too early. People like to wait because they think there's these magic numbers like, okay, when I get this many followers, when I do this, when I do that, I'll be ready. Nuh-uh. Do it ASAP because it takes a while to get sponsors. It's a relationship business. So uh, I don't really think you need to, to wait. Uh, another mistake is not charging enough money because if you charge too little, basically what you're doing is you're telling your sponsors you have nothing of value and it's not worth their time. Sponsorship is a team sport. So it's not just one person that makes that decision. Sometimes it is, but sometimes it's not. And they have to consult colleagues and their boss and people on their team. So it has to be a good amount of money for it to be worth their time uh, to look at what you do, evaluate it, and then do the sponsorship deal. So when you're putting the package together to approach a sponsor, you want to have all the T's crossed and the I's dotted, and you're the expert on that. What do people need to be mindful of? You have in, in your course, you do give templates, which is fantastic. Yeah, we give templates, but I'll tell people what goes into the sponsorship proposal because you need that industry standard proposal. Without it, you will not get funded. Uh, so you need a description of what you do. Talk about your show. Talk about your nonprofit, your speaking, your book, your business, whatever is the entity that you're getting sponsored. Sponsor benefits. And remember, you need the right benefits. With podcasting, a lot of people say, well, I'll sell you a 30-second or a 60-second commercial. And that's really not the way to be successful because then it becomes all about your numbers. And unless you have these huge astronomical numbers of listeners, uh, it ain't going to happen. So you want year-round benefits, which include email marketing, video, press releases, contests, spokesperson's benefits, social media award presentations, and all of the benefits I just told you about are very low cost, but they have a high perceived value to your sponsor. 
So that's the benefit section. The next section that you need, of course, is the demographics. Tell them all about your audience and especially the buying habits of that audience. And you want a marketing plan in there. How are you going to get the word out about what you do? And this is important because you can include the sponsors in your marketing. And then the last thing, and this is how we help people uh, do sponsor proposals that nobody else does, is storytelling. I've put in my sponsor proposal that I was in an abusive relationship, that I was in the poverty trap. You don't just want to put what we call your pretty bio of your education and your accomplishments and all that stuff. You really want to get vulnerable and you'll either tell your story or the story of somebody that you've helped with the work that you do because we're all in different businesses, but we're all in the life-changing business. My special guest on Guys Guys Radio, Linda Hollander. She is the CEO of the Sponsor Concierge, and she is amazing. So thank you so much for being here. Let's see, what else can we talk about? How do we get media partners for our brands? I think media is so important, and obviously you're in media, so you know (laughs) what media can do for you. You get media partners in the same way that you get your corporate sponsors. You send them the same exact proposal. Uh, let's say you want $25,000 from a, a, a media source, and I've gotten it from a radio show. Uh, I got, uh, wow, 30-second commercials, speaking of commercials, on that radio station, 60-second commercials, sponsors, spotlights. I got presence on their website. Not a dime came out of my pocket. Uh, and it really helped me to get that kind of exposure. And you know what, what they wanted in return was they wanted a booth at my event because radio stations, terrestrial radio stations have to be a part of the community to keep their license. So just kind of know that. So you'll get media sponsors in the exact same way that you get your corporates. The only thing is usually media is in kind and it's a trading of benefits and services. Speaking of those benefits, what are some of the benefits that sponsors are really looking for? I mean, obviously they want to sell product, they want to uh, increase awareness, and they want to come across to the community and their consumers in a positive way. But uh, do you find that there's more specifics that they're really looking for? Do they? Is it a quantitative measurement that they use when they're evaluating a potential um, somebody who's going to receive a sponsorship? Well, the definition of sponsorship is connecting a company to people who buy things. That being said, there are tangibles and there are intangibles in sponsorships. Uh, So the tangible is things you can measure like social media. You can measure likes and shares. You can measure unique visits to a website, things like that. But then there are intangibles like goodwill. And that's why sponsors during the pandemic gave a lot of money to nonprofits uh, because they really wanted to build their image. They wanted to show that they're giving back to the community. They're, They're not just bottom line profit driven. So goodwill is an intangible. So there's things you can measure and things that you cannot measure. Now let's talk for a minute about nonprofits. Uh, What you can do if you're a for-profit business is get a charitable partner because that's what sponsors are looking for. Through you, if you give to a good cause, they get what's called the halo effect. So they look good. And that is what it's all about right now is image advertising. I guess uh, renewal is a big issue also because you, you if you're fortunate enough and smart enough to land a sponsor, you're going to have a clock on it. 
how does the sponsor evaluate what's happened during the year and how do you get them to kind of auto renew? Okay, well, first of all, I want you to evaluate. I want you to be proactive and give sponsors what's called a renewal report or a fulfillment report. I like to give this to my sponsors every quarter at least. Now, on the fulfillment report, every time you do something to promote your sponsor, write it down. Document with video, with photos, with all kinds of things, what you have done for your sponsor. And the fulfillment report could be a single page. Uh, so you send that to your sponsor. Now, you don't just email that to your contact in the sponsor world. You say, hey, can we have a quick chat and go over it? Because if you just email it to them, they could put it in the I'll read this later file, which becomes the I'll read this never, never. file. So you just, I, I want you to go over it with them. So those are formal sponsor relations that really encourage those juicy, delicious renewals. Uh, by the way, renewals are when a company funds you this year and the next year and the next year. Now, there's also informal relationships. So I had American Airlines as a sponsor. And I went on a radio show like this one and I promoted them. And then I came back from the studio and I wrote a quick email uh, to the lady at American Airlines. I said, hey, I just promoted you. And this station has 75,000 listeners. She emails me right back and says, thank you so much, Linda. And they renewed. So that's a way to informally have relationships with your sponsors because they like those kind of touches. They like new information and they like to know what you're doing. Because a lot of people will take sponsor money, they come back a year later, they put out their hand and say, give me more. And a sponsor is thinking like, well, what'd you do for me? Why would I give you more exactly. money? You do not that want that conversation <laughs> to take place in your sponsor's head. You want them to know exactly what you're doing for them. Now, there must be some type of norms that people on the corporate side deal with sponsorship requests all the time, and they can filter through and see that this person knows how to put a proposal together. This one doesn't. So if you get down to the point where they're really looking closely at you, they probably have a budget and different levels of the budget in terms of the type of uh, brands or shows or whatever that they'd sponsor, the type of people they sponsor and businesses and how much they would allocate to that uh, per annum. How do you kind of get into that, uh, the weeds there and determine how to ask for the right amount, not to undersell yourself and not to be too gluttony about it, too much gluttony? Uh, the magic numbers. Yes. Uh, well, first of all, you have to ask. It's as simple as that. Uh, you have a few conversations with uh, that person. Your first conversation, you don't even mention money. Sponsors have told me a lot of things in the last 20 years, and they think that that is too transactional. On your first conversation, or maybe the first two conversations, you just want to see if you're a good match for that sponsor and what they want to accomplish. Uh, then you'll just kind of ask them, hey, when does your budget open up? Uh, what is your budget for sponsorships? Uh, and then you get down to the price of, of the deal. And unfortunately, there's no one size fits all answered that question, because different companies have different budgets that open up at different times. Usually their fiscal year is the calendar year, but I worked with Microsoft as a sponsor. Their fiscal year starts in July and ends in June. Uh, so there's that too. So uh, just get started whenever. Uh, people hear there's a sponsor season. More deals are done between September and November, but you know maybe 60% of the deals, that means 40% of the deals are done every other month of the year. And that we've helped clients get sponsors with every month. So don't really be concerned about the, the season.
Amazing. Uh, Linda Hollander is my guest here on Guys Guys Radio, and she's so great. I'm taking notes as I'm interviewing her, because even though I've taken her course, even though I sat in on a freebie uh, that she did the other day, I just every time I hear her, I pick up some more information. So you have to check out Linda. So we just got a couple of minutes left at the end. And uh, Linda's been so kind to, and generous. To, I said, how about give me a couple of pointers on air? I always put it out here on air on Guys Guys Radio. I have people do psychic readings of me or whatever. I just, I put it out there. So I've got, I sent you my package. I've got a novel that was out a couple of years ago. I, I, I've got still, it's selling through my uh, podcast. I've got a podcast on 21 global platforms. It's in the top 100 in many international markets in the top 200 here in its category. I've got the KCAA show, which is uh, throughout Southern California. And I've got now a new growing YouTube channel. So I want to get a sponsor now. What do I need to do? Combine everything into one brand because I work with a lot of people like you and they're, they're authors and they have shows and they have, you know, a lot of things that they do. If you present everything to the sponsor, sometimes it gets confusing and the confused mind says no. Uh, so figure out which one is your top entity. It's called a property for getting sponsors, probably your podcast and YouTube, I would say, yeah. uh, and then put everything else in the proposal, but don't throw everything at them because a lot of sponsors say, oh my God, these people are so passionate and they've given me everything, but I, I, I'm confused and, I, and I'm going to say no because I'm confused. Uh, so put it under one, what we call umbrella brand uh, for your book. Uh, the benefits could be you could do special printings of the book for your sponsors or sticker the book or put the sponsor in your resource guide for the book. Uh, for the show, you could have a slide before or after the show that promotes the sponsor. You could do sponsor spotlights and interviews, etc. There are so many things that you could do with all these different properties that you have. Now, am I overdue for going after sponsors? It sounds like it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, get started. Like I said, hold your head up high. You know, just because you're getting started, just because you haven't worked with a sponsor yet, know that you can do this. Uh, and, you know, don't be intimidated because, oh, I'm, I'm just working in my kid's bedroom or I'm just getting started and I don't really have a following yet. You know, the following will come. you got to sell sponsors on the concept and you have to have a big enough concept a big enough dream that gets them excited. Fantastic. Well, listen, thank you, Linda, for being on Guys Guys Radio. Let's take a few minutes. I want to give you the floor, tell everybody um, what they can get by listening and how they can get in touch with you and how could they can take advantage of, of your courses. Okay. Well, I have a free gift that I want to give everybody. If they go to successwithsponsors.com, they'll get the number one secret for getting sponsors. So that's successwithsponsors.com. Also, if they want to talk with me one-on-one, -on -one, they could book a free sponsor strategy session there. And you've done a strategy session with me. I mean, it is magical. I will show you how to get money in ways you didn't even think of. And we do some amazing brainstorming. Uh, so just go to successwithsponsors.com and pick up the free special report, the number one secret for getting sponsors. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Linda, on Guys Guys Radio. If you don't know it or not, you don't have to be a guy to be a guys guy. And you've done a fantastic job. And thank you so much for being here. It's Guys Guy Radio. 
very special guest today that I'm going to introduce you to. First, I want to say that if you've been listening to Guys Guys Radio, you know that I'm bringing in very specific topics now because I really want to expand the way we help your listeners out there and your viewers, our viewers also. So today we're going to talk about that elusive skill of networking, something we all have to do. So let's talk about that a little bit. It's the most important skill you'll probably ever have in your business career, but not that many people are that good at it. And there's a lot of people who are great at their jobs and they're terrible at interviewing and they're even worse at networking because people don't like to do it. Why is it so hard? Why do people shy away from it? Well, we're going to find out because we've got an expert. His name is Nathan Perez. He's the author of the multi-award winning 20-minute networking meeting, Learn to Network, Get a Job. There's Let's see, four different ex uh, editions, executive, professional, graduate, and veterans, really terrific books, and they'll, they'll really help you in a very simple step-by-step -step process as to how you do networking. Let me tell you a little bit more about Nathan. Um, he's a national speaker, executive career, as a job search coach at Career Innovation. What's interesting about him, though, he's had so many different jobs, starting with being a trained actor, that he's been each side of the desk. He's been looking for a job. He's been the uh, the person who's there when you you're going to look for a job at, in certain companies, and he really uh, has a lot of empathy for what it takes to interview, what it takes to be a successful networker, and the skills that you really need to uh, move your career along outside of the uh, the box where people just look for jobs in the online and they think that's the only thing available. Well, as you know, and as I know from my long-term corporate career, just about every job I got was through networking. It wasn't through what was ever posted because a lot of those jobs that are posted, they're gone already or they don't even exist. So a little bit more about Nathan, 20 years in front of audiences, 15 years as a speaker, uh, executive search industry. So he's been on every side of the fence. And again, the name of the book is the 20 minute network meeting, learn to network, get a job. My special guest on guys, guys radio, and we're going to do it in 20 minutes. Nathan Perez. Hey, Robert. Good to see you. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm looking forward to our discussion. Well, my pleasure. I, I probably used up five minutes in the introduction, but uh, forgive me for that. <laughs> so let's start right at the beginning. A lot of people have a misunderstanding uh, as to what networking really is, and because of that, they have a lot of anxiety. Tell us what networking is. Yeah, right. You know, actually, maybe maybe we should actually start with talking about what networking is not, because I think yeah. what most people think networking is, is actually what networking is not. Okay. And networking is not about being all, you know, slick and smooth and being salesy and dropping names and all that sort of thing. I think what we've done is we sort of pinned these sort of behaviors on, on the word itself, and, and that's why people tend to avoid it. But what it really, really is, is just the obtainment and the exchange of information. That's it. And if you think about it from that perspective, we are networking all the time. We just don't think about it that way, right? And it could be anything from, uh, you know, how was your day today? Or where did you get that jacket? Or how did you find your car? Whatever it is. And it's just everyday conversation, but it is information exchange. And if you were to put it a little more like in a networking context and we saw each other the next week and we picked up where we left off, then we're doing it again and again. So it's not about being slick and smooth. All it is is about the obtainment or the exchange of information. That's it. So I mentioned a couple of times I misspoke and I said interviewing instead of networking. I think that's an important point that people don't realize when they go into a networking meeting, it's not really an interview. It's fact finding. It's an exchange of information. Please elaborate on that, Nathan. That's right. So uh, so in an interview, that's someone just asking you more questions, right? You're not interviewing someone else and they want to know all about you. But when it comes to networking, what you're really doing is you're creating, you, you, you've built a meeting and you're asking questions of them, but you're not interviewing them. 
you're actually just obtaining information. Now, in the, in the way, so if you were to read this book, you understand that a meeting is actually structured out. There are five steps. Each one of those steps has a time limit. And when you get to the steps of asking the questions, you've actually created three specific questions for your contact. You're hoping to gain the, kind of gain the unique wisdom or knowledge. And then the fourth and fifth questions, the fourth question is asking for more names. And the fifth question, and this is key and a really big deal in case we don't get a, a around to it again, is asking how you can help in return. So one is about you, one is about the other. And all you're doing is trying to obtain information that's gonna help you get to the next step that is gonna get you closer and closer to the job or the career that you're, you're really looking for. Okay, so take us through the five steps. It's broad strokes, right? we want people to buy the book, but really just the template, how does it work? Okay, so uh, step one, a great first impression of you. And before I even go on, I should say, this is gonna sound really familiar to everybody because we're doing these all the time, except that maybe not in this kind of process or without the practice. So a great first impression of you, uh, a 30 to 60 uh, second overview of your background. If you were networking for sales or business development purposes, perhaps that'd be a little bit about you and a little bit about your organization or your products. Then you get into the discussion step. Now that overview and that background is really important because what you're doing is creating context for step three, which is the discussion. The discussion is comprised of five key questions. The first three I explained specific to your contact. Question number four is asking for more names. The fifth, how you can help in return. Uh, and then when you get to step number four, you are um, just wrapping up the meeting, just like you would wrap up a meeting, no long goodbyes, and then following up afterward. That's step number five. There are two kinds of follow-up. There's immediate right after your meeting, but then over the course of time in order to keep your network alive. Simple as that. So let's say you, you know, you structure it and you want to be, you want to control the meeting in a, in a nice way and you've been allotted time and you say it's 20 minutes. So somebody goes in there and it's, it's flowing and the person actually has a little more time for you. I assume you take advantage of that, but you want to know when you have to read the room to realize, okay, when do I have to shut this down? Tell us a little bit about the subtleties there. That's it's, it's exactly it. You hit it right on the spot. If your contact is leading the discussion and, and cause, you know, say you were getting close to that 20 minute mark. And I say, hey, Robert, I just want to make sure um, I want to be sensitive to your time. We're hitting about that 20 minutes. I promise 20 minutes. Are you good to keep talking? Then you 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 put that person in, in the position, right, in the driver's seat. And they say, yeah, sure. Then you can keep going if you want to. Um, what you don't want to do as the person who's leading the meeting is to go beyond what you've already promised. But you can check in. And by the way, um, even though this book is called the 20-minute networking meeting, it's not a hard and fast rule. It doesn't mean 20 minutes only it can go longer and it can also be shorter what if somebody invites you to say hey uh let's go to lunch and you, you have a either an established relationship with them or it's tangential because of somebody else you go to the lunch do you need to uh lay uh, use the same question the same template but just extend it over the course of the lunch uh well you know if you've already had a meeting or if someone's already familiar with you and your background then that's already kind of established who you are, what your background is, and what the whole thing is. So you can actually just jump into it. And that's typically when meetings tend to be shorter. Yeah. Now, uh, COVID changed everything. People are working remote. People are meeting remote. Some people are comfortable with it. Uh, I'm, personally, I th find that chaos creates opportunities. I mean, I launched my YouTube channel doing COVID exactly for that because I th saw everything's going remote. And right. it is. And it's not going to go back the way it was. There'll be people going to offices, right. but a lot of senior executives I know, they're doing plug and play. They go into the offices, no more offices. 
They go into a workstation, they plug in, they do their thing, they might meet with their colleagues in a conference room, whatever, and off they go. It's not the same as everybody has a different size office. I mean, in some industries, I'm sure there's more of that, but a lot of folks haven't gotten back to work yet. How do you manage um, networking in the time of COVID? Uh, you know, I'll be real honest with you. It's almost exactly the same. The only difference, it is a fairly big difference, but the only difference is that we can't be in person. However, we are still eye to eye, face to face. And I have to say that, that, that COVID has actually made networking a lot better. It's better than it ever has been simply because of the fact that we've all had to gain familiarity with the technology. Right beyond a year ago, there were some people are starting to use, you know, video for networking a little bit, but people still wanted to kind of do the phone calls. Um, but then all of a sudden we're forced to use it for work, uh, but not just for work, but but for personal reasons as well. So now everybody has this familiarity uh, with the tech. Uh, also, there's pandemic boredom. Uh, we haven't been able to socialize in the same way we have in the past. So not at the workplace, not at the restaurants and wherever we're, we just sort of run into people. And with the combination of those two things, it makes it very convenient. You know, no more commutes. Those are those have changed quite a bit. And now that everybody's used to it, it makes it very convenient to to meet with people, even complete strangers. People are very open to it just to continue to be human and be social. So the same. Uh, so the meetings are the same. So then the, the mistakes have to be somewhat similar also. And a lot of people have anxiety about networking because uh, the same anxieties they have about interviewing. And again, as I said earlier, a lot of people are good at their jobs, but they're not very good for at either looking for a job or interviewing. What are some of the mistakes that people make during networking, which is a very defined, specific skill? Uh, I would say that there, there, there are kind of three things, um, mostly two. One of them is no agenda. When you go into any meeting, right, you need to have a planned discussion. You need to know what you're going to talk about. And when it's it's one thing if you're going to have a meeting in the workplace and kind of it's going to be a little bit off the cuff, but maybe because everyone is on the same page. But in a networking meeting, if you leave the impression that you're all over the map, that is not going to go well for you because it's just going to show kind of maybe how you organize or how you run such meetings. And if you're to be hired into that company, that's a real big risk. So people go into meetings without an agenda. Uh, the second thing is just taking too much time. You have to stick to the agreement. Hey, Robert, just needed 20 minutes of your time to ask you three questions. That's not too much to ask. If you go beyond that without your contact saying, yeah, let's go ahead and keep talking. No problem. I've got time. Then then that's going to be a real big mistake. And the mm -hmm. third thing is, and this isn't a mistake so much as it is something that's forgotten. Um, and that is asking how you can help in return. If you are asking, you're requesting someone's time and their, and their expertise and their knowledge and they give it to you, we can't very well just sit there and take, take, take. Those things aren't forgotten. It's not a big sin or anything like that, but it is the impression that you leave with someone that that's kind of how you run these sorts of meetings. So you also have to ask in return, how can I help you for the help that you've just been that you've just given me? And this is I still get emails from around the world on a basis, the power of this question um, and how it changes everything. So huge game changer opens the door to more communication and other people that you would meet through that person. OK, my very special guest on Guys Guys Radio, Nathan Perez. The 20-minute networking meeting. He's a co-author. He's a superstar in the in the area of interviewing and recruiting and in networking. And I'm so pleased you're here, Nathan. So thank you. In terms of laying out that uh, that, that template and then getting to that magic question at the end, I've I've said that a couple of times to people, and I and you mention it in the book. Some people get a little bit. Uh, they're off kilter when you ask them that. They're not sure how to respond. And I didn't know. Did I make them feel uncomfortable? Um, how, do, how, do, how should we as a networker 
attending the meeting deal with managing that question so we don't make the other person who's allowing us into their inner sanctum, if you will, feel uncomfortable? Yes, this is a great question. And, and the answer is awareness, self-awareness. And what I mean by that is anybody listening right now who's thinking ahead of time to asking that question, you are already expecting that someone is not going to know how to answer it or even expecting the question at all. Business tends to be transactional, right? You got something I want, I've got something you want, maybe there's some money and whatever, and then we kind of move on. But this is a whole different thing. So if you've done your research, because there's no reason that you would sit down with someone believing they could help you if you haven't done your research on that person and their organization, their background. Having done that research, you would know what their interests are, whether they have it on LinkedIn or whether you're able to kind of extrapolate that meaning from their LinkedIn profile. But if that person is taken off guard and you can trust that most people are going to be surprised because no one asks this question or not very frequently, you'll be prepared. So, you know, um, gosh, Robert, I don't, I, I, I don't know how you could help me. It didn't even occur to me. Well, Nathan, I know that you have an entertainment background. You were in the business for 20 years. I know people who work at the ticket office that does this, that, or that. Or, you know, I can find you uh, some information about phishing or whatever. I saw that in your, in your LinkedIn profile, but you're prepared. And what you're doing is while that person may not necessarily give you the yes or no answer right there in that moment, it leaves the door open for them to reach back out to you or for you to reach back out to them. The point being awareness, self-awareness, and being prepared to be able to help them. Mm -hmm. How? What's your take, your personal take on, on LinkedIn? I mean, theoretically, it's really good, and everybody in business is on LinkedIn now. And But it gets misused. A lot of people use it. They just start selling, or they connect with you and immediately yeah. want to sell you something, and it's really annoying. Or they haven't done their research, and they connect with you, and they really, you really have nothing in common. And there's no reason necessarily on surface to be connected. How, what is your take on LinkedIn and how do people best manage it for networking? Right. Well, we have to understand that it is a, it's, a, it's a social networking platform and it is not a sales platform. And I get lots of those things, too. Um, it just so happens that I, I was cited by the Huffington Post a few years back as one of the most linked uh, accounts in, in the world. Um, I have thir over 30,000 connections. Um, but the thing is, is that I get a lot of those salesy things. It is just a platform to learn about people, learn about backgrounds. In the case of networking, you understand who it is you should be looking up uh, and, and being able to get in touch with them. You just keep that in mind. It's a very important platform because these days, uh, I mean, it's changed the entire landscape of the hiring and recruitment industry. Once upon a time, it was all about phone calls. And now everybody's uploaded their own information onto the platform. So it's a great place to go. So you just got to look at this platform as a great place to be able to do your research, who you need to be able to contact. But you're not asking for jobs. You're not selling or pitching anything. It's just an opportunity for you to learn where you need to be, who you need to be talking to, and for some outreach. How about if uh, for some folks, either they're boomers and they've been downsized or some folks have been they're changing careers. They want to change careers. They want to take some time doing that. Any advice as to deal with, uh, instead of uh, the folks who are just on a very uh, straight vertical path, that people who are kind of gotten pushed off to the side or they've gotten older and they, they're still vital and they want to stay in the business or they want to switch businesses. Any any uh, thoughts, even from your recruiter background, about that? How to, how to best manage that? Uh, so first I'll say I, I actually lead a six-week boot camp for a really large uh, national online outplacement firm, and it's called What's Next. It's a career transition boot camp. The first and foremost thing that I would tell you, especially if you're a boomer or mm -hmm. if you're in an older generation, listen to your gut. 
what is it you really actually want to do? If you want to stay in that lane, great, no problem, because you're going to have traction or whatever else. If it's something completely different, then the next thing you've got to do is understand your own priorities. Why do I really want to do this? And what are my next steps going to be? And of course, your next steps are always going to be uh, about understanding what it's going to take. And that requires research. Once you start doing the research, believe it or not, it comes full circle to networking. Because, I mean, you can read lots of books and lots of blogs and listen to podcasts, but you're basically piecemealing together what it is you need to do next, right? But people are the shortcut. When you can actually have discussions with people who are sitting in the current roles that you're looking at or the industries that you're looking at, um, now you have just a, a direct opportunity to get specific information to specific answers or questions. Is that, that's it, questions. Um, so you just kind of have to first listen to you and then talk to other people. So I'll give you an example. I have a background, long background, marketing and advertising, and I started doing my side hustle of podcasting and radio show host and now YouTube, and it's grown and it's growing and growing and growing. Now I want to I reach out and do some networking in that area, yet I don't know too many people. Some people have discovered me, and I do have some decent contacts, but I want to expand that. I'm not looking to go back into work at an ad agency. I already was president of one. I've done that. I was EVP of a huge global conglomerate in advertising, and I don't want to do that, but I want to expand. I want to be the brand. Who should I look for when I'm, I'm looking at LinkedIn, and how do I approach them? First question to ask yourself is who, who else am I listening to that has done such a thing? Mm -hmm. You find and locate those kinds of people. And then also, you know, other things kind of occur to us like, gosh, you know, what a, what's production going to look like? Okay, there's the sound thing and then there's the video thing and then there's all this tech and whatever. And then whether it's that same person that's already doing it or other people who are responsible for those separate aspects, you'll want to talk to each one of those different people to find out what it's all about. So if someone's already a complete package, they've got all the production values down, uh, you could just simply ask the questions. You know, I, I noticed that you grew in this certain way over this mm -hmm. course of time. I have this marketing background myself. Would you mind if, uh, if I ask you a few questions about what that trajectory looked like? Simple as that. Or maybe it's just about sound. Uh, maybe it's just about the video or whatever else. And you know someone who's been in the entertainment industry behind a camera or up in the booth, and you ask them very specific questions. But because they're very specific people who have these very very specific experiences, you get these direct answers. And, and there's no gray area. No, that's fantastic. And I, the reason I ask that uh, as an example, my, using myself as an example, because there's so many people in similar situations who are boomers and they're making some type of transition. And a lot of them may have a, something like a, a hobby that's turned into a side hustle that could turn into their next career. And I think it's really important that people don't get um, deterred and dejected about that because you have to do you have to do your work just like in your 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 past career for your next career you have to do a lot of work also and you know you, if you don't if you're not willing to do that in my opinion then you're not going to get the rewards and step one sounds like networking is a great place for fact finding making some new contacts and just keeping the communication going back and forth. You bet, you bet. It's kind of the end all be all. Uh, networking. I mean, we've talked about it in sort of the ways that we have, but. The truth is, is that it touches literally every aspect of business, everything, um, whether it's going to be formal and we sit down and actually have a 20 minute meeting or we're just exchanging information because we ran into each other in the grocery store. It's really critical. And I want to say, too, for anybody who feels like, you know, ageism is going to be an issue, you have to remember 
you are a walking data bank of information and experiences. And if you are the person who all the younger generations are trying to kind of catch up to, you know all the stuff that they are learning, you are deeply valuable. So not for one second do you think should you think that you are being ruled out of anything. In fact, you're in the position to be able to give back in that way and be uh, professionally helpful. So don't be discouraged by that. Do you think, though, that the, uh, the hiring companies think of it that way, or do they think old and expensive and I can't fire them? Or is it a little bit of both? It's a, it's a little bit of both. But the thing is, is you still have control over that. If someone asks you, you know, you know, why would you want to come back here? Why do you want to do this? Do you understand there's going to be a salary drop? Well, look, if you're in a position where you feel financially secure and this is their mission is really important to you or you really like it, you can express as much. Um, because if they're already making judgments that you're going to be too expensive and they haven't had a conversation with you, well then, I mean, that's just presuming or just assuming what someone else is thinking. This is where you get back in the driver's seat and let people know. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? Yes, very much. Fantastic. Okay, last question. What else do people need to know? What are like the top three things people need to know to be a successful networker? It's about relationship building. That's the big thing. Now, you don't go out there and you just try and build relationships. What it means is you try and relate. All right. You want you want to be able just to have discussions and everything. Here's the thing. It doesn't matter professionally. We're all human beings and everything that we do on a day to day basis uh, around being a human being, what the commute looks like. It could be the weather. It could be just long work days. It could be the children. It could be the new shop that went up. We all have these things in common. So keep that in mind. I would also say just have discussions. Talk to anybody and everybody. Sometimes I get asked a lot, you know, how do I prioritize who I'm going to talk to? You don't. What you do do is you do something with the information that you're given. If there is such thing as uh, being an older person and talking to someone who's much younger, but they know some things that you're not aware of yet. What do you know? Now you've learned something and can be vice and can be vice versa. And also, um, I would say that remember that everybody, by nature, most people want to help. People sort of avoid this networking thing because they think, you know, people are going to expect this or expect that and whatever else. But the truth is, is that by nature, we want to help others. If you don't use the time wisely or efficiently, that's when things can get a little weird and people say no to requests, but humankind is good. And all we have to do in turn is help in return for anything that we get in return. And, and that's it. It opens the doors to, to all relationships. And, and, and you get to meet other people through those people because of that. Fantastic. Nathan Perez, you crushed it. The 20-minute networking meeting, award-winning book. You're a superstar. Thanks for being on Guys Guys Radio. You're a guys guy. Uh, appreciate it, Robert. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me on the show. It's Guys Guy Radio. Okay, two very interesting discussions with two very helpful guests. I thought that added a lot of value. We started with Linda Hollander, the uh, CEO of Sponsor Concierge, and she helps business owners profit from the awesome power of corporate sponsors. And what did we learn from Linda? I think we learned that if you have a good concept and a good brand going, that you can score a corporate sponsorship. But you have to think about what is it that you're going to do for the corporate sponsor? It can't be all about you. Like you just, it's not about just sticking your hands into the big coffers of the uh, corporate sponsor. You have to be able to bring something back to them. So if you have a good concept that can help them out and they can help you out, then you've got a win winning formula and you have a shot at it. 
And uh, we also learned similar stuff from Nathan Perez, who uh, wrote the book about 20-minute networking, and he's an excellent career coach and job search consultant. And uh, in the 20-minute networking meetings that he described, uh, what did we learn there? I think, most importantly, it's a two-way street. So when you get on somebody's calendar and you can uh, allocate 20 minutes of their time to, to you, you better make sure that you do a good job articulating who you are, what you are, what you're looking for, and what you can offer. And also at the end of that conversation, you want to be able to ask them if you can help them out. And it's not about asking that close-ended question, do you have a job for me? Because most likely you're going to get a no there, and then where do you go from there in terms of the conversation and extending the relationship? So give back, and uh, give back usually means you're going to get something back in return from giving back, and then it becomes just a two-way exchange, a two-way street, an ongoing discussion between two parties that want to help each other. So good luck with that. Also, you can catch me on KCAA Radio here every Wednesday evening at 8 p.m. Pacific Time, 102.3, 106.5 FM, 10.50 a.m. The podcast and my YouTube drop every Thursday. The KCAA show broadcasts again every Sunday at 6 p.m. Pacific time. So you can catch us on KCAA on Wednesday evenings at 8, 6 p.m. Sundays. The podcast and my YouTube drop every Thursday. The YouTube goes under the name Robert Manny, Guys Guys TV. The podcast is Guys Guys Radio. It's worldwide. You can catch us anywhere that you listen and consume your podcasts. And we're there for you. My website, robertmanny, M-A-N-N-I.com. Keeping it simple for you there, folks. Um, you can download three free chapters of my novel, The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love, which is a source material for all things Guy's Guy. It's about two men in advertising competing for love, sex, power, and money in New York City. It's been called the male, sex in the, the male successor to Sex in the City. Um, we also have over 300 blog posts, everything about life, love, the pursuit of happiness. And again, it's part of the whole Guy's Guy's thing. We're here to add value. We're here to help. And I'm here to bring on the best guests I can for you to, to deliver uh, new information that might help you out in your day-to-day life in a variety of areas. And we've got a ton of guests lined up for the next couple of months that all have very specific um, areas of expertise that we're going to share with you. And if you're like me, you're going to glean a lot of good information from these guests. And you're not going to use everything they say. and You're not going to vibe with every single guest in terms of uh, is it something that's relevant to your life. But many of them uh, are going to be relevant to everybody in some way, shape, or form. And that's what I do. I look for guests that I think can add something to all of us, uh, all of our games, if you will. And, uh, and then it's up to you to determine how you want to use that information. So Guys Guys Radio, I'm here every week for you. We've got a lot more shows coming up. And I'm psyched about it, and I hope you are also. So I'll see you next week. And until then, as I always like to say, guys, guys, finish first. <laughs>